Welcome to another edition of Believe in Betting Chicago right here in the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Joey Christopoulos and today's episode is brought to you by The Pod by 8 Sleep. Now everyone knows that you need 8 hours of sleep a night so it's not how much sleep you get, it's how you sleep. And what is more important than the amount than the temperature? It's tough to get a good night's sleep if you're too hot and cold, people. And that's why the Pod by 8 Sleep has a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. They have dynamic temperature regulations and sleep tracking to enhance your sleep and rest and recovery. So for the next week, get $200 off your Pod and a free gravity blanket for a total value of $500 only at 8sleep.com slash pro. That's 8, the number E-I-G-H-T-sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro to get that $200 off and that free gravity blanket. Today is also sponsored by my bookie. Guys, the Super Bowl's right around the corner, so why not use my bookie for all your betting needs? It's one of the most trusted sports books in the industry. If football's not your thing, we got basketball going on, we got Premier League, whatever you want to bet on, it has it. And my bookie has the fastest payouts, the best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. So if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means that if you deposit $2,000, they're going to give you $1,000 of free money to play with. So all you have to do Use the promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie today. Bet, win, and get paid. Welcome, everyone, to Betting Chicago, you guys. On today's episode, I'm going to kind of fly around the sports arena, definitely tap into some Chicago sports today, just because I got a lot on my mind and a lot gearing up. And it's the week before the Super Bowl. There's really not a whole lot going on right now. There's no baseball, there's no NBA All-Star game, there's nothing really. It's just another sports week, so let's kind of dive into it. And when I say it's not just another sports week, I was totally wrong, because last night Zion Williamson made his debut. Now, for those of you who don't know, and for those of you who do know me, I am I am driving the wagon of the Zion fan club train, you guys. I am I'm pushing it, pushing the wagon, the train, whatever you want to call it. I'm the conductor with the conductor hat leading the charge on that. I have felt that way before he even made his debut on Duke. I wanted the Bulls to tank and get the number one pick. I don't want to say I was there first because obviously he's a fantastic, amazing, otherworldly player, but I am a huge Team Zion guy. So what did I do? I got together with my buddies, uh, Hagel and Mike Choi, who's been on the podcast before, and we literally blocked out some time to sit down and watch Spurs Pelicans. When can a Chicago fan ever say that he's done that in the past? It was a first-timer for me. And I just wanted to see the dude. We've waited so long. He had the surgery on his knee. He's been rehabbing this whole time. And I got to be honest, it delivered on every expectation and more. The first expectation was that he wasn't going to play a lot. And that certainly happened. He got in the game in the first quarter. He started, played the first four minutes. The <laughs> The announcer, Mike Pash, was just absolutely dying, teeing up all of his best calls because he knew he was calling Zion's first game. He had a shot in the paint, and and the guy Mike Pash went absolutely nuts. It's, it's Zion's first attempt, and it's a miss. They were ready to roll. Uh, Zion looked a little tentative, looked a little nervous. He had a couple of uh, you know power dribbles in the paint that sort of like tipped off his fingers a little bit. He had one opportunity that looked like he had a shot at a dunk that he didn't really get to. So he plays first uh, the first four minutes of the first quarter. First about maybe three and a half minutes of the second quarter, and that was about it. He had one kind of nice pass, and he had one rebound that he took out in transition and let it down. 
So we're hanging out. We're, we're getting a little bored. I'm even in the second half asking the question of, you know, could I be able to trade for Zion in fantasy? Because if the dude's only going to play 12 minutes a night and average five points a game, well, then, you know, maybe I'll be able to buy low on this situation. And then lo and behold, in the fourth quarter, and this is what I like about this dude. You know, I don't think he's the most skilled person in the world, and he's a fantastic athlete, but I don't think he's the best athlete I've ever seen. But the dude is an alpha dog. He always makes something happen. And what did he do in the fourth quarter? They left him alone at the top of the, cre- top of the key, and he was like, sure, I'll shoot a three. Sink. Come back down, left him alone again. Sink another three. In the lane, then a nice little spin move, almost in an alley-oop jam. Still use that athletic ability, that big body of his, to drop it in the cup, hit it again. Another three, another three. A ball in the lane, kind of got blocked on a spin move in the post, was able to recover, put it back in. All said, we all know, 17 straight points in about five minutes. Pelicans were losing the game by about 11 all night long. Brandon Ingram was not playing very well. Uh, the team was kind of having a tough night, and they looked a little disjointed with Zion out there. Like, he didn't really know what to do. They weren't really involving him in the offense. He had barely even gotten a chance to break a sweat until that fourth quarter and then was able to just drop that 17, and we absolutely went nuts. The dude got NBA jam hot in his first game. Of course, they pulled him. Makes a lot of sense. As much as we wanted him to come back for those final couple of minutes, I guess I get it. Stick to the game plan. It wouldn't have killed him, that's for sure, if they had brought him back. But really cool to see the dude debut. He makes the NBA more fun. And a lot of people were talking about, you know, whether the ratings are down in the NBA, what's going on. Well, you know, just keep in mind, some of the best players in the game, like Steph Curry, isn't even playing right now. Kevin Durant isn't even playing this season. So a guy like Zion coming in and maybe adding a little juice, it'll be something that'll be good for the league. And I'm not really sure what to expect right out of the gate. I'm sure he's going to have a couple of bad nights here and there. But the dude is just a guy that everyone rallies around. He's a number one type player, even if he isn't a number one type scorer. He's an alpha dog on a future playoff team. You know, whatever. I'm calling it right now. You could say whatever. Yeah, I'm predicting this is a big prophecy that Zion's going to be good, but just really got a chance to really enjoy watching him play the other night. Let's hit the Super Bowl real quick. Next week, We are going to have a couple very special episodes. I know it's betting Chicago, but we are going to be betting Super Bowl here on the show next week. We're going to have a guest come on, and we're going to really dive into some props. But here are my initial thoughts going into the game. A lot of places you'll see right now, Chiefs by one. Uh, That number could go up to possibly two, two and a half. It is definitely one of the closest margin Super Bowls that we've had in quite some time. I believe there's only been only three or four in the last 20 years that have had this close of a spread. And my general thoughts right now, without diving too deeply into it, is Patrick Mahomes is worth four to five points on the spread by himself. The dude is that good. He is one of the only quarterbacks who, you know, there's no concept of even running the football with him. It is his show. The ball is in his hands, and he does what he needs to do at any moment in time. So I feel like no matter what happens, no matter what game you go into, you're automatically going to have four or five points swung in Mahomes' territory. So really, if it's only Chiefs by one, they actually kind of like the 49ers in this game. Now, why is that? Well, because I think the 49ers have played the most complete, well-rounded football of any team, not just in the playoffs, but any team in the NFL this season. 
You know, they rarely make mistakes. Their defensive front is awesome and relentless. They have a three-headed running back monster. We'll see with Tevin Coleman. And then they're just a team that outside of the occasional Jimmy giveaway throw uh, for an interception, they don't really turn the ball over a lot. And I think that's what, and honestly, they've met every single challenge, played every different type of game, low scoring, high scoring, doesn't really matter. They've played every type of game, and they've come out victorious. So they are a very, very formidable, worthy adversary for Patrick Mahomes in his first Super Bowl. And here's what I'm seeing that's kind of like we're going to have to kind of suss this out over the next couple of days. The Chiefs have had some very sloppy first halves. They've had some drop passes. They've had poor tackling. They've had some mess-ups on special teams. They haven't quite played a tight four-quarter football game just yet. What they have done is had amazingly historically explosive quarters to make up for that, and a lot of that is through Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the second quarters of some of these games, and what they scored 28 against the Texans. I believe they scored 21 in the second quarter in their, uh, in their last game against Tennessee. So they make up for it by basically the concept of Patrick Mahomes being on their team. So I think this is going to be a very, very close game. Now the question is, can the the greatness of Mahomes make up for some of the shortcomings of this sloppy play on the Chiefs end? And can the 49ers put together one more clean, strong four-quarter football game is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. But the 49ers front seven versus Mahomes is going to be one of the biggest matchups in the game. Again, I don't think they're going to really ask Jimmy G to do a whole lot. And at the end of the day, I do like the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, as I have all season long, just based on the fact that if the game is close, which obviously Vegas thinks it's going to be, Mahomes with the ball in his hands with four minutes or under, I like those chances a lot more than Jimmy G with the ball in his hands. It's kind of an obvious statement, but here we are. You know, I think Mahomes is just the edge in every single metric and every single tangible thing that you go up and down the list. That's who I like going forward. We're going to see. I'm going to do a little more work. I'm going to keep an open mind. But right now, I do like the Chiefs. Um, And I do like that number two as well. Minus one, minus two and a half. I mean, if it goes up over three or four, I guess you can make an argument that you could take the 49ers to possibly cover if you think it's a close game. But right now, um, the Chiefs at that number, I would take that. And I would definitely take the over on the points. Those are just my early thoughts. More to come on the Super Bowl next week here on Betting Chicago. Just want to dip into some Cubs stuff real quick. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Chris Bryant Trade Rumor podcast last week. Uh, really fun, really good response. Obviously, we got some more news that Chris Bryant's arbitration is probably going to drag on for two more weeks, which certainly does not help his case that he is going to get traded. I, as a Cubs fan, that actually kind of makes me happy. I want Chris Bryant on the team. Call me crazy. Um, I think he's a fantastic ball player. I think he's a professional hitter who wants to get better and constantly does get better every year. I think this could be a year where he actually stays fairly healthy this time around. And I think the Cubs are a better team for him if he's on the team. Now, what possibly takes this also further off the table is the Braves signed Marcelo Zuna for a one-year $17 million deal. So that's another team that could possibly be off the Chris Bryant trade list, which pretty much leaves teams like the Nationals, the Dodgers. I mean, I don't know. Is there another team that could possibly get involved? The Phillies were kind of thrown out there a little bit. I don't really see that happening. But as of right now, it looks like the Cubs are at $219 million. They want to get to 209 And personally, in my opinion, if they're going to be trading some money and they want to trim some payroll, it's time to trade Jose Quintana. I know he's 28. 
I know he's a left-hander. I know he's durable. But you got to look at it kind of like this. The, the Cubs starting rotation, if you put Tyler Chatwood into the rotation, they have $88 million of their payroll tied up solely to that rotation. And let's be honest, that rotation is solid, but it is not the best in baseball. In terms of your core four, looking core four guys of Contreras, Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant, that is probably only about fifty-six, fifty-seven million dollars committed in that area. If you want to go and put Schwarber into that mix at seven million, knock yourself out. That probably puts you at the sixty-four, sixty-five. So, in my opinion, if you're going to lose anything, if you really have to trim some payroll, I don't understand why you'd be trimming it from the offense, even though you think you can get the most assets back. I would definitely be looking at that $10.5 million that Jose Quintana has in line to make this season, and I would be trying to trade him. And if you are going to take a step back, you maybe take a step back in the rotation, and you hope that the offense kind of works itself out. It is looking more and more like Tyler Chatwood is going to be a starter coming into spring training. i got to be honest, I'm kind of optimistic about this. And outside of Chatwood pumping in more strikes last season, I did really like looking at the numbers he had a nice reversal in his splits where he was able to limit the damage when he fell behind an account last year as opposed to getting destroyed. Not only was he walking guys in 2018, but when he was behind an account, he was absolutely getting lit up. Like the slugging percentage numbers were off the charts. He was able to kind of drag that down this season, and he was obviously able to get into some more favorable counts for himself. I think he's a guy that could be on the rise. I think he's a guy that could actually get some of that wildness is far behind him right now, and he can come out and just be the pitcher that everyone thought that he was going to be when we signed him for $13 million a year two seasons ago. I would just caution the Cubs fans. I would just give him a chance. I'm not saying it's going to work out, but what I am saying is that Chatwood has that high type of ceiling. He's gone through all that, all the yips, all the wrinkles, and I think he's back to just being a normal pitcher right now and can actually help us this season. And, you know, could he become a trade piece or could he become a guy that could perhaps be a younger dude that can move into the rotation when Lester's gone next season? We'll find out. And Castellano's still sitting out there. Just saying, Cubs fans. I mean, push comes to shove. They haven't done anything all offseason. They haven't been able to move off some money. So if you don't find yourself in a situation where you can get under the luxury tax, I got to ask you, Mr. Ricketts. What's the difference? <laughs> you might as well just sign Castellanos. You got some guys coming off the books next year. Lester's $22 million, among others. So there is definitely some room there to maneuver. You know, if you want to, I don't know, maybe pay the tax for one more year, Mr. Ricketts. Just, I don't know, think about it. you got a lot of good things going for you. We've been supporting you for quite some time. It's not too bad if you have to pay the tax. I'm just saying. Anyways, let's hit the Bulls and Blackhawks and maybe a little Bears, and then I'm going to get out of here. But real quick, I just want to remind you guys one more time. With the Super Bowl coming up, you guys, you got to check out my bookie. They got 24-7 customer service. As I mentioned before, this is the best part, right? My bookie is willing to match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means that you can deposit up to $2,000 in gambling money to play with, and they will give you an extra $1,000 in free money. Just think about that for a second. And Keep that in mind, too, next week when we go through some props because I got some real juicy ones for you. Just remember, all you have to do is use your promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV with my bookie. Bet, win, and get paid with my bookie, especially during the Super Bowl coming up. And 
Maybe not so much with the Bulls. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into the Bulls real quick. Obviously, last time I was on the pod talking about the Bulls, they were entering a 14-game stretch that I kind of jotted down on my schedule where I said, you know what, if this team has any interest in you know, taking a step forward, making progress, maybe giving us a sniff that they can make the playoffs, this was the stretch where they had to kind of make a little hay, play over 500 basketball, and then sort of see what happens. Well, as of right now, in that 14-game stretch, they are 4-5 and five with five games to go. The final five are Sacramento, Cleveland, Spurs, Pacers, Nets. Only one of those teams, the Pacers, is over 500 at this point. So four of their next five games is against sub-500 teams. So I'm not saying you win all five of those games. And even if you go 3-2, and two, I would say that's still a fairly disappointing end because that would just make you 7-7 seven and seven in that 14-game stretch. You don't really make a lot of hay there. But there are a couple things that I'm seeing, a couple things that I'm liking. One of the things that I'm liking a lot is the play of Zach Levine over the last week. Now, full disclosure, I am not a big Zach Levine fan. I just don't think he is the type of guy who can carry a team in the playoffs and be a number one scoring option. Even as a number two scoring option, I'm not really that big of a fan either. Typically, I find his offense to be fairly one-dimensional. His defense isn't very great. I do like his shot creation, but I didn't really like the way that he was creating shots for other players. And I have to be honest with you, over the last five, six, seven, eight games, that's exactly what Zach Levine's been doing. He's been doing a better job of creating shots for his teammates. He's been driving. He's been kicking. And when he gets hot, he knows that, that when he gets hot, there's nothing stopping him. He's going to shoot the ball four times down the court every single time, and the rest of his teammates are just going to sit, stand around, and watch. That just kind of is what it is. But right now, those shots are going in. Zach Levine in the month of January, averaging 30 points a game, 5.1 rebounds, 4.1 assists. Both of those are pretty much in line with his season numbers. But his steals have gone up to two steals a game in the month of January. He's shooting 49% from the field, 36 from three. And he's gotten his free throw attempts up from what was about four to begin the season, just under four to begin the season, to over six over the last two months, which is nice, which means, I mean, dude's a good free throw shooter. It means he's driving the ball, trying to, you know, initiate the offense by engaging the defense. Novel concept. And it's a really funny time, too, as well, because a lot of people think that he is on the cusp of being an all-star. Personally, if he doesn't make the all-star team, I will not be surprised. If he does make the all-star team... I won't be surprised either because he's played so well over these last five, six games that it's just one of those interesting stretches where a guy just kind of gets on a hot streak and gives himself an opportunity to get into that game. Obviously, the All-Star Games in Chicago would be a very big deal. And if Zach Levine, if you're listening, I know you're not, but let's just pretend because this is uh, because let's have an imagination about it. Uh, Do the dunk contest, my man. I know you want to do the three point. I know you want to do the skills challenge. Listen, just do the dunk contest, and here is why. One, you don't have to win. Two, if you do, and you let's just say you bring your B-plus game to the floor, B-plus dunks, you're still going to get graded on a higher curve because you're in Chicago, man. And if I was the PR staff in Chicago, I would just be emailing him every single day and going, look, man, we just want, we just want one of those dunks in the UC that we can put in slow-mo and then drop it into our, you know, our promo video next year during the starting lineups, and I think everyone's happy. You continue to be the face of the Bulls. Do us that kind of solid. And let's be honest, a lot of talk about it. Not a lot of people are going to the Bulls games anymore. And we're at that point, right? And that's my problem, I guess, with Zach Levine is he's a young player. He is getting better. I just don't know 
if his ceiling is high enough to make him interesting or make him a valued piece of something which would be a quality basketball team moving forward. I mean, we're at the point now with the Bulls, and this is what really, really, really pissed me off in those first few years after the Jordan days, where they would, like, the PR team or all the promos for the Bulls would be like, Come get season tickets to the Bulls. Now you can see players like Kobe, Shaq, and McGrady. Like they were never, they were never like pimping for their own players. It was always come see the other guys and the other team that we were never able to get. And we're still at that place with the Bulls right now. And I was watching the game last night, and there were some empty seats. And it's a shame too, as well. And my hope is, what if? Who knows? Maybe they get a little hot and can play well over these next five games and actually sort of put themselves in a slight position to even get a glimpse at the eighth seed going into the all-star break. We'll see what happens, but Zach Levine's going to have to continue to play at the pace that he's playing at. And, you know, maybe Otto Porter does come back at some point this season, man, that has been a real, real bummer. Uh, just, you know, that's $25 million and a veteran that was supposed to be solidifying this young core that we have. And he's just not out there. He's just not playing. And our wing defense, you know, is brutal. And a part of that is because we don't have Otto Porter. So we'll see with the Bulls. Um, I'm going to move on to just some quick Blackhawks talk real quick. I'm going to do the best I can. I love watching the Hawks, but I don't feel like that I'm the most, you know, nuanced um, hockey observer. I just kind of see what I see. And, you know, I'd like to think in the general sense that I kind of know what good hockey looks like. And, of course, Kane got his 1,000th point. Congratulations to him. That is a fantastic honor. It's pretty amazing, man, that he's already in his 13th year. Um, it just seems like yesterday that he was a rookie and this whole thing was starting all over again. But it's just strange. These Hawks, these last three Hawks seasons have just kind of passed us by in this weird sense of nothingness. And the Hawks have been on a hot streak lately. Of course, they lost to the Panthers the other night, 4-3, to kind of snapping their hot streak. The Panthers also came in with a streak of their own. But if you don't, the, you know, don't look now, but the Blackhawks, they're only three points out of the wild card. And the question is, can they get into the playoffs? And as much as I would like to say it, they're kind of very similar to the Bulls. Where is the consistency to actually put together a streak that would put them into playoff contention? I don't know if it's there. You know, Laner's been one of the best goalies in the NHL this season. I mean, not only that, but he's doing that with just such terrible, terrible defense. The Blackhawks' defensive scoring chance suppression is at the bottom of the league. You know, they're pretty decent on the penalty kill. They're only they're sixth in the league at 82.8%. But again, they're one of the worst power play teams in the league. They only convert on 15.6 of their power play chances, good for only 27th in the league. And that is the problem. The, def the defense continues to have holes. They're a young team, so they don't capitalize on their opportunities. And just in general, on defense, they give up way too many shots. I don't see a lot of puck disruption. I don't see a lot of puck possession in their own end to get the ball and turn it over to the offense. And that's going to be a huge sticking point because they're just too young to be outscoring teams. And in a year where, you know, Dabrinkat's kind of having a down offensive year and some of the wing guys that you're expecting to kind of, you know, rise up and kind of become one of the main elite scoring options or elite weapons like Kane, it's just not really the season for that. And they don't really have on the anyone on the back end that can really, you know, solidify when things aren't going very well. So they can play well in stretches, but I just don't see the consistency right now. I would love it though. More than you know, the Bulls don't make the playoffs. Great, go back in the lottery, you know, call it a day, you know, rinse, lather, repeat. But the Blackhawks, I would love to see them in the in the playoffs. Just get a taste of it. 
just to get the kids like Kirby Doc and like Bovquist and stuff like that, Kubilik, who's having a great season. Let's get them some playoff experience and just kind of sort of see what happens. And if you have one of the best goalies in the league, you seriously never know. Can they get there? I'm not so sure. We're going to have to wait and see. I mean, the next couple weeks are going to be fairly huge. Whether they can, If they can just continue to maintain this play and stick around, they might give themselves a kind of a chance. And finally, let's just talk some Bears real quick. Senior Bowl's coming up. A lot of rumors that the Bears scouting squad is heading to the Senior Bowl to scout tight ends. And here, I just got to tell you something right now. For all you betting Chicago fans, don't draft a tight end. Chicago Bears, don't do it, Ryan Pace. Don't do it, man. Now, I, I like uh, young athletic tight ends more th- better than anyone, but as we saw last year, as we see every single season, and if you've ever played fantasy football, never draft a rookie tight end. Never do it. Don't do it in fantasy. You know, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, both players with some great college tape, highly heralded coming out of college, and you know what? They rarely make an impact. Hawkinson did in the first couple weeks, got hurt, never really came back. Fant took him a while to get involved, eventually got involved by the end of the season, but honestly never really had that big of an impact. And even if you're a guy like O.J. Howard out of Alabama, who was a can't-miss guy, rookie tight ends rarely make an impact. And for the Chicago Bears, next year's offensive season is perhaps one of the biggest seasons of the last 10 or 15 years because it is a left or right situation. You know what I mean? We are either taking a left and we are blowing this whole thing up. New quarterback, maybe even new coach, maybe even new GM, or we're going to the right. And the offense is going to gel, come together, and we actually find weapons that are going to help Trubisky right now. And a rookie tight end is not one of those guys. You know, I'm more interested in the Hunter Henrys, the Austin Hoopers. There's a lot of guys that we'll be talking about. You know, Tyler Eifert is intriguing, but the dude has been hurt the last three or four years. And we can't be, we can't be signing guys on potential. We have to be signing guys on availability. That is just something to take. So, honestly, please, please, please do not, you know, do not draft tight end bears. Just don't do it. Uh, we've already done the Adam Shaheen thing, and even if you do draft the guy that you love a whole much, you know the, the chances of him not helping are pretty high for next season. We need some impact guys right now. Kind of taking a look at some of the backup quarterback situations. Um, you know what are we going to do? You know, there's the Case Keenum's, the Mariotas, the Fitzpatricks. There's a bunch of guys out there. You know, Case Keenum seems like the most you know vanilla pick, right? Not going to hurt you, not going to help you. Can step in in a pinch can learn an offense, could possibly help you win some games. It seems like he's almost kind of like the deluxe ultra package of what a Chase Daniel would be like. But you do hear a lot of Mariota. And so I started to try and like kind of dig in a little bit. You know, what? what is it about Mariota? What happened to him exactly? So let's look at some positives, you know. In 2016, he was the toast of the town. Threw for 26 touchdowns. Threw for 16 touchdowns to only three interceptions in his final nine games. And, you know... The interesting thing about Mariota, which is intriguing for Bears fans, is he's actually done surprisingly very well against the NFC. 11-5 career record, 105 career uh, QB rating. He's actually also played really well against the NFC North. Ten touchdowns and two interceptions in only four games against the NFC North. And he's been fantastic in the red zone. Once he gets in the red zone, 51 touchdowns, only one red zone interception in his career. So what's the problem, right? Clearly... His offense totally fell off the map in the final two and a half years. And obviously, he threw seven touchdowns, only two interceptions. But, you know, by the end, by the time he got benched for Tannehill, you know, he was averaging only 170 yards passing a game. 
He only threw 20 touchdowns over his last 20 starts. That's not very good. His other problem was he's not very good on third down either. Only career passing percentage of 58% on third downs. And here's the part that I don't like, and this is probably where Titans fans go, aha, you finally hit it on the head. 34 of Mariota's career, 40, 34 of his 46 interceptions in his career happened when the Titans had the ball on their own side of the field. So basically what that means is, you know, 75% of the time when Mariota throws a pick, the other team makes you pay for it with the score on the other end because he's doing it way, way, way on the other side and giving the opponent a short field. That's something that probably as a fan probably breaks your heart, breaks your back, breaks your spirit, and doesn't really show up in the box score. And I, that's probably something that we need to keep an eye on, especially if we bring Mariota in. Another guy I was kind of looking at was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why not, right? Philip Rivers is moving to Florida. You'd like to think that it's Miami Dolphins are bust for him next season. And if that's the case, then Fitzpatrick's got to go somewhere. And if you're going to do something in terms of a backup, you know, you got to at least look at the guy, right? I mean, over his last game, nine games last season, he passed for 15 tutties, only had five interceptions, and averaged 291 passing yards a game for an offense that was brutal. Now, they only had Devontae Parker, who could basically be the Allen Robinson in a Bears-style offense. And Fitzmagic made it happen. Now, of course, we all know what his cons are. He throws a bunch of picks. He's got kind of small hands. His career completion percentage isn't very good. Um, you know, and he also has awful numbers against the NFC North. Granted, very small sample size, but three touchdowns to only nine interceptions kind of probably makes you pause. Because guess what? The Vikings defense is still going to be decent next year. And the Packers defense, they're all signed up. So they're coming back just the same, too, as well. The other problem with Fitzmagic is he's awful awful on the road. And in his losses, obviously, he throws picks. You know, only 53 touchdowns of 51 interceptions in when he loses a game. And here's the part that really probably scares you a little bit. 52% complete, completion percentage on third downs of seven or nine yards or more. I mean, that's Mitch Trubisky territory. That's where we struggled last year. So if you're looking to bring in a guy that's going to improve in the areas that Trubisky is weak in, you know, Fitzpatrick, Mariota, these guys, they're not going to be that different. They might bring you a couple of new things on some earlier downs, but, you know, on those third and longs, it's going to be difficult. Protecting the football, going to be difficult. Now, you know, Trubisky's numbers in the red zone is something that he obviously needs to improve on. You know, that's probably where Mariota gets that edge. But I was really interested to see, you know, I started looking up, you know, where are these interceptions thrown by all these quarterbacks? And you kind of, like, look it up, and some of these guys, everyone's about 50-50. Like, even the Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers types guys, you know, half their interceptions will probably be thrown on the own side of the field. A lot of them are thrown at midfield because that's when you're trying to really move the ball. The things that I was really looking at is, you know, when they are on the opponent's end, for a very, very short field or in the red zone. And when you look at it, the elite guys, they just don't throw picks in the, in the red zone, and they just don't throw picks in the other side of the field. It's kind of more in the middle, if anywhere else. That's obviously a problem for Mariota. Bit of a problem for Fitzmagic, too, as well. So we'll see. We're going to be talking a lot more about it, but those are just kind of my thoughts rattling around in my head of who I like, who I don't like, who scares me. you know. And honestly, a lot of these guys that you're going to be bringing in, guess what? They got the same exact flaws that Trubisky has. So Bears fans, I got to be honest, you just got to really just got to cross your fingers and hope that Trubisky takes that next step. Because if you are bringing someone in outside of maybe an Andy Dalton, you're going to be seeing a lot of the same flaws and mistakes that Trubisky already uh, showed us last season. 
that's gonna do it, you guys. It's good to be back. Good to uh, you know get some of the get some of my thoughts out there. Kind of like uh, get a nice little workout in, a nice little exercise. Because next week we're gonna be talking a lot of football. We're gonna be talking some Super Bowl stuff. Um, I do want to get into the All Star selection, especially if uh, Zach Levine gets into the All Star game. And something's gonna be happening with the Cubs sooner or later. We're gonna be able to have some conclusive some conclusive resolutions about what that team is going to look like who they're going to be and whether they can compete this season so please check out uh, stick around and check that out again thank you so much this was believe in betting chicago on the believe podcast network make sure you check out eightsleep.com slash pro they're giving away uh two what is it two hundred dollars two hundred dollars off your pod and you get a free gravity blanket when you go to eightsleep.com slash pro that's a total of five hundred dollars and also, you guys, make sure you get your bets in this week with my bookie. They're going to match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000, a.k.a. you put down $2,000. They're giving you $1,000 free just to play with, just to make some money on hopefully Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs Super Bowl. We'll see what happens. Make sure you use promo code BLV to activate that specific offer. offer. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for joining us. It was good to be back. We're going to have some guests coming up soon. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 